things people love to hate and hate to love. And we're your hosts, Shelby and Matt. Happy birthday, Shelby. Oh, thanks, so excited. Thanks. Your second birthday on the podcast. Yeah, oh. I know. Oh, my gosh. What a number. Yeah, I feel exceptionally old. Did you guys do anything to celebrate during quarantine? quarantine? Yeah. Yeah. How does that work? <laughs> um. Well, Rob gifted me a projector so we can watch movies on our ceiling. Ooh. Um, I know. Pro of not having a ceiling light, I guess. And um, so we watched Twister in honor of its 27th anniversary. We also watched, we watched a lot of movies over the weekend because he, Rob has this thing where he thinks any movie from before 2000 is old and he doesn't like watching old movies. And so he allows me one old movie a month, except this weekend (laughs) he said I could watch any movie. I could have my choice all weekend long. So I made him watch Twister. I made him watch Daylight, which is the Sylvester Stallone, New York uh, tunnel collapse (laughs) <laughs> disaster oh. flick. <laughs> okay. It's a good one. And then that thing you alley. do, which I love so much, still holds up. And I feel like there's something else. Oh, I did I did choose a modern movie and we watched Godzilla King of the Monsters, which um he actually liked. Was that was the new surprising. one? Yeah. With um yeah. uh with uh eleven? Millie, yeah, Millie Bobby Yeah, Millie Brown. Bobby Brown. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, so wait. <laughs> so if you watch a project if you watch a movie on a on your ceiling, so you're on your you're in your bed yeah. and you're just well, like laying there watching it? Well, so this is a multi level story because Rob is so old that his back started hurting from just sitting on our bad couch. So he bought like a like a living room mattress, he calls it. It folds up and we like tuck it away when we're not using it, but we do have this this memory foam mattress. <laughs> <laughs> and so we put that out in the living room and watch watch movies that way. So it all came together in this. This in is this so intriguing that. to me. <laughs> yeah. As someone who's only watched things on their laptop for the past, you know, <laughs> 50 days, this feels like a real luxury. Um, I, know. I have like a weird, I know we have to get started with the Emma Stone stuff, but I have oh, like yeah, a yeah. weird anecdote that I feel like only maybe three people in the world oh, will appreciate please. and you are one of them. Um, so do you remember, uh, when was this? Last year, maybe? I think when I was writing my article about Margot Robbie, I watched Suicide Squad. And mm. I was like, guys, I don't understand what the <laughs> like big deal is. This is not a terrible movie. Like, this is uh-huh. actually a fun movie. And everyone was <laughs> like, you're an idiot. What are you talking about? Oh, yeah, I remember So this week, as a glutton for punishment, I decided to watch uh, Batman versus Superman, Dawn <laughs> of Justice. You know, because that's what you do during quarantine. Again, preparing for it to be terrible. And and I started watching it and then realized it was three hours long. And I was like, what have (laughs) I done to myself? But again, not a terrible movie. And I was sort of into it most of the time, other than the fact it was long. And so I was texting my brother and I was like, what is... like?" You saw these movies. Why did you hate them so much? They seem to me to be perfectly good movies. (laughs) And he was like telling me things. And I was like, and this scene was good. And this scene was good. And he was like, well, I don't remember that scene. And I was like, it was a big scene in the movie. Like, how could you forget this scene? And 
And then I realized that I had somehow watched an extended director's cut of both of the movies that were had like an extra half hour in them. And wow. that then I was reading the old reviews on both of these movies. And part of the reason why people didn't like them was because they felt like they, they were confused about the plot. Like it felt like it was missing things and it was jumbled up. So I think what must have happened with both of these is that like the director made a longer version of the movie. The studio was like, cut it down. Then it came out. Everyone hated it. And me like four years <laughs> later, I'm getting the full version. I'm like, Oh God, <laughs> suicide squad. Not a bad movie. Wow, so, so you're saying that the director's cut was actually the deleted scenes were actually good. They were worth it. I, the, well, I think that, I mean, I don't actually know what was deleted and what wasn't necessarily, (laughs) but I do feel like both movies, the plot made sense to me and I felt like it was, you know, halfway entertaining. Where, I mean, if you want to say it's because you got additional info and not just because you have bad taste, like you can totally (laughs) do that. (laughs) I mean, here's the thing. I usually hate superhero movies. Oh, I know. So... It's weird that I was like, but this pro is my new question. Two, but... like, have you seen a lot of superhero movies? Because it seems like you haven't. I've seen a lot of Marvel movies. Okay, I mean, okay. there's so many of them. Okay. I've seen a lot of them, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I haven't seen them all, but I've seen like, <laughs> I would say at least more than half of the Marvel movies. Uh, and I've seen I'll a lot of re- the, I've seen a lot of the DC ones now, too. Yeah. And well, next up is Wonder Woman, the actual good DC movie. I know, I know. I haven't seen that and I haven't <laughs> seen um Aquaman. Well, if you thought so. Batman v Superman was good, just wait till you watch an actual good movie. Well, I'm Wonder Woman is in uh Batman versus Superman. And yeah. the whole time I'm like, there she is. She's just walking around <laughs> being is. sneaky. Yeah. Wow, I'm happy for you. I mean, I think we're taking different things from this anecdote, but you know, you're watching movies out of your comfort zone. And for that, I'm proud of you. Okay, great, great, great. So we both had fun weekends. We were both watching weird things. Yeah, yeah. Um, this Batman vs. Superman has to be on the same level as a Sylvester Stallone cave in movie. Those <laughs> no, are those have to be movie. in like the same uh, general no, vicinity. I don't think so no, but I mean, I did also have to watch a bunch of Emma Stone movies which is why we are here um yes as any friends of the pods know every birthday week we um pick a different actor or actress and uh discuss their filmography and their fame and fortune and emma stone i don't know why i picked her exactly except that one she has a pretty manageable filmography i think in total it was like 20 some like sp- films she's been a part of and so, you know, we we each tackle that with, with varying degrees of success. And also, I just have my attention to cinema probably matched like Emma Stone's, you know, rise fame. Like, so she's been, a, yeah. she's been like in my peripheral since I can remember, basically. And so I've like seen most of her stuff. I've followed her like, you know, various tabloid stories, which she doesn't have many of. But um, she's always been sort of an interesting character to me, probably because she's managed to avoid a lot of the, a lot of the, I don't know, sort of media blitz that surrounds other female stars. Like when we talked about Anne Hathaway and the Hatha haters, um, Jennifer Lawrence is another one who was hugely successful and then sort of hit this wall where everyone turned on her and started hating her. But Emma Stone's always been like sort of this level, (laughs) 
appreciated even when she doesn't pick the best movies like people still think she's talented and likable and whatever and I have been always sort of interested in why that is and like I don't know it's just sort of a a strange situation for a female starlet to be in because so often there's always something that just turns people off you know well, yeah, I mean, she started in all of these rom-com, you know, like movies that were sort of hits in the in the comedy world. And then she kind of like branched over to more serious stuff and has been very successful there, won an Oscar for a La La Land. But it is interesting because you feel like I've never met anybody who's like, oh, I don't like Emma Stone. Like, <laughs> yeah. it feels like everyone likes her. Everyone thinks she's funny. She can sing. She can. <laughs> she's a good actor. She honestly has a similar-ish body of work I think to like someone like Anne Hathaway and yet has none of the uh, haters that Anne Hathaway has and she but also she's sort of been tied to a number of these projects that are I don't know kind of questionable or have like (laughs) iffy things going on in them but somehow none of that has ever really like tainted her you know she's like in a couple of Woody Allen movies she's playing an Asian person in a movie when she's not Asian you know but somehow this is not like sticking to her so she is an interesting person and watching a bunch of her movies over the past couple weeks I'm very excited to like (laughs) talk about her and the movies and just everything going on there. Yeah, I mean, I obviously love celebrity gossip. I probably read too much like Jezebel and like all these gossipy sites, which is why I've loved like the J-Laws and the Anne Hathaways and anyone who has drama follow them. When I was like talking to people about doing this Emma Stone episode, I was like, what do you even think of when you think of Emma Stone? And it's either just movies she's in or there are basically like maybe two or three maybe like curious moments in her in her celebrity life and one is when she dated Andrew Garfield and they did a bunch of weird stuff together like you know they were like a really like pretentious couple who would like write notes to the paparazzi telling people to like visit websites uh, bringing attention to like global warming and whatever and they dated for a few years during the amazing Spider-Man years the other one, obviously, is the <laughs> Aloha casting, where she plays an Asian, and she's not at all Asian, which is amazing, and we'll obviously get into it, and that was really the big, like, controversy around her. Like, that's the worst thing she's ever done, which is, you know, not that <laughs> bad compared to some of these other things people get away with. And then the other one is just, like, her weird celebrity friendships, where the most recent is she and Jennifer Lawrence have had this, like, very close kinship and they had a bunch of like media interviews together where they were just like off the walls bonkers crazy funny girls who were just chatting and now there's a rumor that she secretly got married over quarantine so i know (laughs) i was like i was reading those articles today thinking wow shelby knew she picked the right (laughs) person at the right time that she secretly maybe got married um (laughs) in the past couple of days because she was in an interview where she was wearing a wedding ring instead of her engagement ring or a wedding band, I guess, on her ring finger. And they had her and her husband or husband slash boyfriend <laughs> who is, let me find his name, Dave McCary. He, uh, I guess, works on SNL. He's friends with yeah. Kyle Mooney, which like, ugh, I, I don't know if I'd <laughs> want to date that person. But anyways, um, they were supposed to get engaged in, or married in March, 
there had been plans, mm-hmm. I guess, at some point. So it's not that surprising that she was she would get married, but nobody has confirmed that this has actually happened. So who knows if she had yeah, a corona wedding or not. Yeah, she loves a she loves a media silence. Like she rarely ever ever gets like she's always talking about how she likes private life. She doesn't like being showy. Blah 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 blah. Boring, boring, boring. But with her, it's like never like pretentiousy fake. It just seems like she's chill. Like, I honestly didn't even know she was engaged. I didn't know she was dating this dude, probably because he's pretty small fish out there. I mean, he's a nobody compared to her. So, I mean, I'm happy for her. I, I You know, congrats to them both. I have a theory, which I'd like to. I mean, I guess we could get into it later, but I figure I'll just lay it out for you up okay. front here. I feel like Emma Stone either has like a very high capacity or actually like sort of is attracted to like kind of douchey guys because (laughs) a lot of her, I mean, both of her, I don't know about this, this new guy, but Andrew Garfield is sort of annoying. This, he, this new guy feels like he would be annoying in his connection to like Kyle Mooney, Beck Bennett. These people that she's been in multiple movies with, as in like Jonah Hill, Ryan Gosling, Jesse Eisenberg, all feel like they would be kind of, um, I don't know, just like difficult Ryan Gosling is the nicest seeming dude in Hollywood. What has he done uh, that gives you any vibes that he's a douche? I mean, he just goes home to his quiet life with Eva Mendez. He talks about Disneyland and his love of Disneyland and interviews. Like, what is he doing that's giving you any bad vibes? I don't know. There's just like a level of and the the people like some of the directors that she's worked with multiple times. I don't know. I'm just saying that as we go through here yeah. that that she is attached to a lot of these kind of like uh, young sort of obnoxious like white men. So just I mean, saying. can we blame her for casting choices? I don't I well, no, but what I'm a... saying is that she is like she's clearly friends with a lot of these people because she's uh-huh. been in projects with uh-huh. them repeatedly. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. isn't like I mean, another thing looking at her filmography is that there's lots of repeat people <laughs> in here. She's worked with the similar directors like multiple times. I mean, her yeah. she's been in two Woody Allen movies, which I feel like also goes to this theory. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just sort of like I, I think that maybe Emma Stone is sort of like a weirder person than we think that she is and that she sort of like likes being around these kind of strange people. Yeah, I mean, she kind of gives me like softcore Scarlett Johansson vibes where it's like, yes, she's pretty privileged. And I think sometimes those blinders stay on just because, you know, she's rich, wealthy, beautiful, and she's grown up. And Scarlett Johansson's engaged to um, Colin Jost. (laughs) So, you know, that's that's another. Yes. Um, and probably yeah. Emma Stone's like not talking to people is what is saving her from that fate <laughs> of Scarlett Johansson, who will always there for an interview. I don't know. I mean, I think Emma Stone, unlike Scarlett Johansson, tends to learn from mistakes and at least apologizes in a in a more uh, believable way, especially with like things like the Aloha controversy and um, questions about, you know, pay disparity and all this sort of stuff so she doesn't have the foot and mouth syndrome that scarlett johansson has but yes i do think it's interesting she obviously comes from comedy and she even in her more serious roles she has a comedic edge like with la la land and the favorite like i think it's hard to be a comedian and comedians don't 
get as much respect as easily and that's why they fight for these more dramatic roles but I also think comedians get a bigger break from the general public where people are more you know they're less critical they're more embracing of them and so I think that's the difference with like the Anne Hathaway and J-Law sort of element is that those people came out as actors there's a seriousness to eventually to Anne Hathaway's films and like I think they're trying to really reach this like pinnacle of auteur that Emma Stone doesn't come off as quite like as pretentious but it is sort of as I was watching these movies and revisiting them and preparing for this I was sort of like if not is Emma Stone overrated but just more this question of how is Emma Stone like this considered like a peak actress like I mean in 2017 time Time's most influential people listed her as the emerging icon. And I think it's sort of interesting to see, I mean, is she headed to that? Is she going to be that? Like, is she, can she go more drama than she is comedy? She was also the world's highest paid actress in 2017. So. Yeah. And that's interesting too, because she, I mean, she hasn't had like huge financial films aside from like the amazing Spider-Man and super bad, but. I mean, let's get into these movies because I think it is interesting to kind of watch her career take off, but also sort of stay in the same comfortable zone because she does revisit a lot of a lot of similar directors, as you pointed out. She has a lot of, you know, she always ends up back in comedy and she does a lot of these sort of repeat choices. So (laughs) it's interesting. So to start, before we get to her movies, can we just talk about like her childhood for a quick second? Because I (laughs) was investigating this and found it semi-interesting. Like, I always find child actors, not that Emma Stone is necessarily a child actor, but we'll get into that in a little bit. But I find them interesting because I feel like they are usually either like one of two modes. It's either (laughs) A, they're like a nepotism person. So their family's already in the business and they're like, you know, hey, we're looking for a baby for this commercial or whatever, you know? And so they get pushed Mm -hmm. in at a young age because they already have these connections. Either that or you have like the desperate fame hungry parents who are going to like, (laughs) you know, drive across the country and pull their kid out of school to put them in these movies. Because honestly, like what normal actual sane parent is going to allow their child to like not go to school and instead like pursue a Hollywood career I don't know my like there's no way my parents would ever have gone in for that a famous story about Emma Stone is that at some point well, she's born and raised in Arizona and she makes like a PowerPoint presentation to convince mm-hmm. her parents to get her to move to for them to move to Los Angeles so that she can pursue a career in acting. And I'm always a little bit like, what kind of parents like give into that? Like if you had <laughs> sat down your parents at age, you know, 14 or however old she is and said, hey, here's a PowerPoint presentation of why you should move to Los Angeles and let me be a child actor. Like, would they have considered that in the slightest at all? <laughs> well, no, but I'm not talented. You know, I think with a lot of these stars, there's an obvious, you know, element of talent. But I mean, it also she said that her parents were very like I mean supportive and lucky enough he like owned his own business so there was a lot of security and like you know flexibility and so I mean she was saying that like they were the type of parents who they're like hey if you get drunk like call me and I'll just drive you home type thing so pretty lackadaisy you know like a full support no questions asked but even still 
<laughs> it's a little weird for me. It's a weird. I also read that she lived in like a hotel for multiple years. Like this is in Arizona mm-hmm. before they moved to LA. They live like on a hotel property and like a villa. Mm-hmm. Oh, which I was trying to figure out if they were like working at the hotel or if they were just really wealthy and could afford yeah. to not have a house. Um. <laughs> so, anyways, weird stuff going on in her childhood. I feel like. Yeah, I mean, it's very Taylor Swift. You know, like the convincing your parents to chase your dreams with you and then it pays off in a big way exactly and look what happened to her she (laughs) i mean clearly not well um (laughs) so they moved to los angeles and and she gets her debut in a reality show called (laughs) in search of the new partridge family which aired on vh1 i had never heard of this show i guess it's sort of like I remember when they did that like Grease live thing where people were like competing to be in Grease. I remember no. that reality show, and I think that I can't remember when that was, but that I definitely happened at some point. There was that. also that reality show about trying to be in um, High School Musical three. I think there was a musical. There was a show I where it was like a competition show. Anyways. A lot of people know Shelby. It's not that weird. It's not that niche. Uh-huh. Um, you're just out of touch, honestly. Right. Uh, so she competed to... They were remaking The Partridge Family. She competed in a reality TV series <laughs> to win a role in this, which she did win. And I guess mm-hmm. The Partridge Family involves singing of some variety. But then the actual show that they were competing for, nobody would buy the pilot of it. <laughs> so it didn't end up doing anything, which I felt was yeah. uh, ironic and Good interesting. Choice, though. <laughs> But you'd never heard yeah. of this? No. And then um, and then she went on to get like a couple, like one episode arcs and like Malcolm in the Middle. She was the voice of a dog on an episode of The Sweet Life. And um, she also actually, I was reading this profile of hers from like 2015. So before the Me Too movement. And she was talking about how she had this one episode arc on Louis C.K.'s show. Uh, like oh yeah Louis. i saw that and <laughs> she was like oh yeah he was so sweet to me and very protective because i was like 16 and my character was basically offering to blow him and ever since we've done that like every time i bump into louis we're always just like hey remember that <laughs> yikes uh, <just> so funny. <laughs> also her real name isn't emma yeah. Which we should get it which we should say she her real name's emily stone but then i guess she, when she got to Hollywood, they were like, oh, there's already an Emily Stone, which who knows who that is. So then she decided to go by Riley Stone for a little yeah. while, but then was like, no, th- I'm not doing this. So then she decided on Emma. So that's how she Good got to choice. Emma Stone. Do you think she goes by Emma like in her personal circle or does she go by Emily? You know, I always think about this because like with Fergie, you know how she in that yeah. her real name Stacy, but then she even says in that one song, like, don't come and talk to me and try to call me Stacy. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, it feels like she must go by Emma in a lot of situations. Be- yeah. But then at the same time, like her family, it wouldn't you wouldn't think is calling her Emma. But yeah, but then it's close enough to Emily that like maybe. And she also said in elementary school, her friends would call her Emma because she was obsessed with the Spice Girls. And um, I think Baby Spice is Emma. And so, yeah, I think it. I think she's fully adopted Emma. That's my <laughs> that's my theory. I have no proof either way, but um, I think she's gone full Emma. 
When we get famous, we'll ask her. Yeah, yeah. I'm surprised that I'm surprised that that is not a um something that was like more readily available in your readings. Because like Anne Hathaway goes by Annie. Like that's a well documented fact. Like anybody who ever talks about her calls her Annie. She does, you know. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, it's like the Calvin Harris wow. actually goes by Adam. And like, so I think when it's more and Lady Gaga obviously does not go by Gaga. But I think it's just, you know, when it's that close, it's like, Ew, why, why mess with it? You know, why confuse people? <laughs> it's Emma. You know, it's, a, it's basically a sh- it's a, basically a nickname for Emily. So it's fine. Is it? Yeah, well, she, anyways, Emma slash Emily Stone said that her rock bottom experience in Hollywood was when she auditioned for the role of Heroes, uh, for the for the role of the cheerleader, Claire Bennett. In oh, Heroes, yeah. Which went to Hayden Panettiere. And um, she was like, oh, my gosh, is this over? Like, what am I going to do? And then she booked super bad. And I think it's sort of interesting to think if she had gotten on the TV track, like, would she have eventually been able to pivot to movies or would she have, cause it's really hard once you're a TV star to really make it in the movies. So did she dodge wow. a bullet by avoiding heroes? Uh, I think we are skipping over a, <laughs> a very important piece of her oh, no. Hollywood career that I have spent a lot of time investigating, oh, which is the short lived TV show drive that she was in, oh. um, in 2007. <laughs> Uh, oh wow i missed this oh okay well here's the thing so <laughs> for shelby's last uh at birthday episode she picked will smith i felt like i did due diligence in watching oh, enough of his movies <laughs> he's a hundred years old so he's in a ton but i watched a bunch of them that were bad anyways so for this one shelby was like you have to watch some of these movies now you can't just like pretend that you, you can't phone you it in. didn't yeah. see him or whatever yeah. yeah so i was like okay i'm gonna really do my homework <laughs> and just like blow the doors off this thing and so i found that she was in six episodes there were the only six episodes aired of this tv show called drive that was a nathan fillion like ensemble show what Wh- yes which i, I then track down online i could only find these like bootleg versions where the whole show is like flipped so that they can't find it for copyright reasons so everyone looks like they're it's all it's about like a car race around the united states so everybody looks like they're driving on the wrong side of the car and all of the words in any of the episodes you can't read because it looks like it's in a mirror but i did watch all six episodes of this show and let me tell you it is insane so basically the premise is that they this like secret society somehow or another has this international or this road race that runs around the united states like every couple years they sort of like kidnap slash uh blackmail people into competing against it Uh or in it and then they have to drive around in sort of teams of two i think basically what happened was someone was like lost is the is the version of Survivor that's like a big ensemble cast that's scripted. Let's do the mm-hmm. same thing for Amazing Race. I'm <laughs> almost 100% that that is what, that how this show was conceived of. So it's basically like the Amazing Race, except for Wild. Like Nathan Fillion's wife is kidnapped, and if he doesn't win the race, she dies. Um, oh, wow. 
all of the characters have these weird, like very time sensitive backstories that are like, oh, I was a victim in Hurricane Katrina or like, oh, I just got back from Afghanistan. Um, Emma Stone plays the a daughter of a guy who's in the race, play, Dylan Baker's character, and he like has cancer and he sort of like accidentally brings her along on the race and then she realizes <laughs> okay. that he has cancer and so they're like, we have to do this as like one last thing before you die. There's like bl- bank robbing plot lines, but the wildest thing is that this show, look? it looks like it cost a lot of money. The cast is pretty good. It was canceled after four episodes, and two of them aired on the same night. So it's like they <laughs> aired three episodes and then canceled it. The last two didn't even make it to TV. They aired them online only. And after all of the crap that we've watched in those uh, fall pilot episodes I that lasts at least 13 yeah. episodes I don't understand how this was canceled so quickly and Ugh. honestly I was very entertained by the whole thing <laughs> it is like so wild and weird and just like the it doesn't quite make sense but not in a way that's so bad that you would cancel it that quickly you know what I mean right. yeah like it wow, definitely made a lot amazing. more sense than manifest <laughs> so I'm yeah. looking at pictures right now, and I've I've got to say I'm intrigued. I mean, was Emma Stone good in it? You know, I mean, she is fine, <laughs> but she honestly doesn't have that much to do because there's probably like 14 people in the cast. I mean, there's oh, all right. these. It's everybody's in teams of two. There's all these different cars. Also, supposedly there's like 40 some cars in the race, but you really only ever see the people who are in like six of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say like in a Lost equivalent, she's maybe like the Claire type character. And so in the first bunch of episodes, they're really not focusing on her that much. You could see how if they had a full season, she would like get a lot more airtime as you went on. But she's pretty much just there to kind of figure out that her dad has cancer and then, you know, sort of like cry together with him in the car. Did you cry with her? You know, I did not, but (laughs) I'm not a crier. You might if you watch, yeah, yeah. I can send you the links. It's it's difficult, though, because they're driving around the country. And so, you know, all of these things are popping up on the bottom yeah. of the screen that are like Appomattox, Virginia, and you can't read any of them. <laughs> so you just kind of have to guess where they might be. You know, this was never mentioned in any of her profiles. She really didn't bring it up. She brought up her gig on The Sweet Life before even mentioning her starring role well, in a Fox pilot season. And it was wild that it got canceled so quickly, <laughs> given that Nathan Fillion is in it. Well, granted, this was pre-Castle, but it was like post-Firefly and stuff. So, yeah. I mean, he's like a big name. And he said in an interview, because I got very invested in this show, that he that it was his, like, it's the thing that he's most surprised didn't take off from his whole career. <laughs> and I was like, honestly, agree. So did this change your opinion on Nathan Fillion? I don't want to get too sidetracked, but it's important. I mean, no, I think that he's still creepy. But (laughs) I did reach out to him and the creators of the show on Twitter and was like, hey, uh, maybe reboot this because it's fun. Did they reply? No, they didn't. Too bad. Which I mean, and it's during quarantine. So honestly, what else do they have to be doing? They should be replying to me. (laughs) Well, anyways, back to Emma Stone, the same year of her drive unsuccessful trip around the country she starred in super bad which is the jonah hill michael michael sarah written by seth rogan uh original get to the party r-rated comedy 
<laughs> I'm sure you can guess how I felt about this movie. I watched it for the first time this weekend. I'd managed to avoid it my entire life. Um, everyone, at least when it came out, this was a huge success. This is a huge critical success, financial success. It has 88% on Rotten Tomatoes. People think it's great. And every comedy since then is basically judge against Superbad. Booksmart, good, The Good Boys, whatever. All of it comes back to this movie, Superbad. So are you a super bad stan or um, where did you, you fall? Know, when did you watch I it? remember like watching this sort of like half-heartedly in college at some point and thinking mm-hmm. it's fun, but like not, I mean, it was like playing in someone's dorm room and there was something else going on or whatever. Cause I didn't see it when it came out in 2007. I was too yeah. young. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I also rewatched it. And honestly, she was in a lot of romantic or a lot of these comedies in the yeah. like late 2000s. And I do not think that Superbad is the one that's held up the worst. I feel like in a <laughs> lot of ways, like there's a lot of gay jokes in there that are not PC. You know, there's a lot of like terms thrown around. But I feel like in general, the sort of um, like moral of the story is not half bad and i think it it is funny well it's about like friendship and you know having to it's when i watched book smart i knew that it was like super bad but then rewatching super bad i was like oh this is like all not shot for shot but like it is basically the same thing Mm. just reset in like i mean not saying that i don't like book smart any more or less but it's like it's the same dynamic with the two main characters where like one of them is sort of like loud and in charge and the other one's sort of shy (laughs) and then they have and then they have to get to a party and then at the party they have a big fight where the shy one's like you never listen to me and the loud one's like you're (laughs) abandoning me and then they sort of like you know get it together and become friends in the end but realize they might have to go their separate ways (laughs) i mean wouldn't you say Totally. Yeah. I forgot about those serious themes that were unpacked in the in between the dick jokes and the. Yes. Know, yeah. Well, there's a lot so, of those. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. No, I mean, this was fine. I think it's interesting because I was introduced to Emma Stone basically from EZA, which comes up later a couple years from this movie. And so I was like all on board the Emma Stone like comedy train. And in Superbad, she's not really given a lot to do. So it's not like good oh, no. performance. It's just kind of like she exists and you're like, oh, wow, she becomes famous one day. But I mean, it just it, it didn't move me in any way. <laughs> I mean, I <laughs> think that had that. you if you saw Superbad when it came out, I don't even think that you would remember her from Superbad yeah. by the time you got to Easy A. I mean, it's really not. I mean, it's really not like a role that she has anything to do in. She's not in most of the movie. She's yeah. just the person who's throwing the party that Michael, Sarah, and Jonah Hill have to get to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then she's in a slew of other similarly sort of side B characters. Um, the next year in 2008, she was in this movie called The Rocker um, with Rain Wilson, who was famous from being Dwight in The Office. And this movie was a total bomb on all levels. No one liked it. It's basically just about Rain Wilson, who was a has-been drummer who decides to go on tour with his very young nephew's band. And Emma Stone is the bass player. And um, I mean, you know, you got to admire Emma Stone. She really is. She's really doing her best. She said about this movie that she actually was determined to learn how to play the bass so that it was more 
authentic and real and that's something she's brought to every movie she's done and you know good for her for thinking this movie deserved all of her attention and I mean, well you can tell it's her <laughs> second movie where she was really yeah. like well, i gotta put everything into this yeah. gotta learn how to play the bass it could be something but it actually came out the same weekend as another emma stone movie which was the house bunny which was a little bit, a little teeny tiny bit more well received. I mean, The Rocker had 41% on Rotten Tomatoes. The House Bunny has 43%. So a step up. Um, but this one did better at the box office as well. It's um, Anna Ferris <laughs> plays a Playboy Bunny who, through a series of miscommunications, is kicked out of the mansion and finds herself homeless. And she's kind of this ditzy blonde and she wants. She wants to belong somewhere and she somehow becomes this house mother to the unpopular sorority at this university. And Emma Stone is sort of the main awkward girl in this home. Did you watch this movie? <laughs> yes. Yes, I did. I One of my friends in high school loved this movie and I feel like tried to convince me to watch it on multiple occasions but I never did so I was like okay this is a you know finally I'll watch it for her and I honestly thought that it was pretty funny I mean there's again some things that do not quite track in today's culture but as a whole I thought funny movie I was into it yeah I actually and Emma Stone I think is good in it I think she's I mean Anna Ferris is obviously like stealing the show yes. left, yeah. right, and sideways. But I think that uh, Emma Stone like holds her own. I just, I watched this one time in college and then it was on streaming on something like a few months ago before I knew I was going to do this episode. And so Rob and I watched it. It's really not that funny, but there are like very laugh out loud moments. And one of them is when Anna Ferris is meeting all of the sorority sisters and Emma Stone is like oh this is Janet and Anna Ferris's character just to remember names just speaks in this really gravelly (laughs) like nightmare voice and I don't know why but that's always been like peak comedy for me I just laugh every time (laughs) and Emma Stone's very funny in that moment too I think it's a good highlight reel moment because Emma Stone is being the straight character like she's She's not meant to be clever or funny or attractive in any way. And I think she is very mesmerizing to watch. And she holds her own in a vehicle that was meant entirely for Anna Ferris, who is very funny in this movie. It's also such a wonderful time capsule of casting <laughs> because the sorority house, like the other girls, it's like one of them was a cheetah girl. One of them is Catherine McPhee, who I had been on American Idol, yes. you know, maybe like two years previous. One of them um, is is um, Bruce Willis's daughter, who was yes. like in the tabloids a lot at the time. You can tell that this was cast like <laughs> then and not any other time. Like yeah. only in 2008 would this be the group of people who was assembled. Yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty dumb. But it, I honestly, as a comparison, some people think about Sydney White, which is the Amanda Bynes sorority story that's based on uh, Snow White. The oh, house I've never even funnier. heard of that. So don't even bother. If you liked that Sydney White at all, then the house bunnies. 10 times better. <laughs> okay. Just FYI. 
Moving on to 2009, yeah. she is in some more uh, comedies. She's in Ghosts of Girlfriends Past, which I have never seen. Is this uh, yeah. Matthew McConaughey? Yeah, is this, this is Matthew McConaughey. This is like peak Matthew McConaughey's like, you know, rom-com leading man era. And this story is basically um, The Christmas Carol, but about this womanizer who starts seeing ghosts who walk him through his romantic past present and future and try to like steer him towards the true love of his life and to settle down and so emma stone plays the ghost of girlfriend's past and she's sort of this zany high energy crazy high school love interest that he had and um the movie is absolutely terrible i hated it so much i don't remember anything about it except emma stone's uh weird energy that she brought to it and then also in 2009, she's in Paper Man, which is a <laughs> Ryan Reynolds movie. I've I'd never well, even heard of this. I watched this for this episode because it was on Amazon Prime or something. It was so dumb. It's basically Jeff Daniels. So it's an indie. It's an indie film. So it's like a comedy, okay. quote unquote, but it's really Love just like indie. a drama, like blah, blah mm-hmm. feelings. And so Jeff Daniels is sort of this struggling writer who has an imaginary friend like he's had since childhood, who's a superhero played by Ryan Reynolds. So and it's very weird watching Ryan Reynolds in this because he's not good. And you're reminded like Ryan Reynolds isn't that good, (laughs) but he's managed to find his stick now. And he had it then. And so this is kind of a hot mess from start to finish. And Emma Stone is a character that Jeff Daniels sort of befriends. And in sort of this father-daughter relationship that they both kind of, you know, they they both are missing in their lives. And she also has an imaginary friend of some sort. I think it ended up being like her dead brother or something. And so it was all very weird. Absolutely no one liked this. Everyone thought it was just like, what was the point? It's just like very uneven, boring, dumb, and just a, a hot mess from start to finish. Even Emma Stone wasn't like memorable in it because she plays a very straight character. She's not having any fun. She's just sort of depressed, and it's just like you know. Clearly, she's still in like paycheck mode. Yeah, here. exactly. <laughs> also, in two thousand and nine, she's in Zombieland, which yes. turns out to be a huge success. I love Zombieland. Um, I didn't watch it when it came out though at the time, and and it's one of those interesting movies because really, there's four main characters in there in um. Jesse Eisenberg, Emma Stone, Abigail Breslin, and Woody Harrelson. Mm -hmm. And I feel like sort of all four of them have gotten significantly more famous since this movie came out. So it's like, look, yeah, except for (laughs) Abigail Breslin, I guess. Yeah, because she, because Little Miss Sunshine was was before this, and that's probably her most famous movie. But but the other three, like, all their big stuff happened after. So it was kind of like a weird hit. It's very funny, I think. It's a a zombie horror comedy, Um, and it's real short. There's, like, an amazing Bill Murray cameo in the middle. So it's a great movie, but it's so weird because it's one of those things where at the time it was like, oh, this little movie that like sure was funny and made a good amount of money, but we don't really know these people very well. And now looking back, you're like, this is an A-list cast. This is huge. (laughs) And it's like, well, yeah, but not then because nobody knew who they were. (laughs) Yeah. I didn't watch this until like a few years ago, Um, but it's funny. I mean, it has like, it was very well received. It was financially successful. I think right now it has 90% on Rotten Tomatoes. So it's one of Emma Stone's 
best rated movies and it still holds up i mean it's a fun zombie slasher flick i think it was the most the highest grossing zombie movie in the u.s until world war z so yeah i mean it's an it's good because it's a comedy but it's set out it's like not really timely necessarily so it ages better than some of these other ones so you know have a lot of jokes (laughs) that don't quite work anymore um, and then she did she did some voice work. She uh, was in a movie that got nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes called Marmaduke. Um, <laughs> never heard, never heard of, never this heard movie. of it. I didn't even bother watching it. She plays an Australian Shepherd. But what's Love wild that for is her. This, yeah. <laughs> and so this is the same year though that Easy A came out, and Easy A was really her. I mean, it was her first leading role. And it was really considered like her breakout moment because this is when oh definitely everyone fell in love with her. I mean, I loved this movie when I saw it. I still love it. I own a DVD. I like. I think everyone in it is so good, especially her parents, played by um. Oh my gosh, I just forgot Patricia their names. Clarkson and yes. Stanley Tucci. Yes, their parenting goals to this day. Um, you just watched this for the first time, right? Yes. Yeah, I had never seen this before. I remember when it came out, I I think it came out like my freshman year of college uh, or right as I was graduating high school, depending on what time of year it came out. Um, But yeah, I remember her being like a big deal as like, oh, this is a new person. She's in a movie, but I'd never heard of her before and I hadn't seen it. But yeah, it is very funny. There are some parts that I feel like are a little bit (laughs) iffy in today's world, but in general, I think it holds up well. And yeah, everybody's giving a really good performance. It's Amanda Bynes's last movie before she you know sort of fell off and she's good in it um the parents are great it was sort of an amanda Bynes return like it was meant to be her because she had quit acting before (laughs) and then came back and was like i'm back and this was like her one movie she did in that time where she said she was back and then she wasn't actually back and i I love it. I think they're delightful together. They play well together. Um, Emma Stone really carries this film with ease. And it's just like, it makes sense why she became a star. Because, I mean, she's basically alone on the screen for a large portion of this. Just planning and singing Pocket Full of Sunshine. And it's just iconic. I love it so much. And she's one of those people who can make lines that really like aren't that interesting or things that aren't that (laughs) exciting more interesting you know like in all of these roles really when even when she's given next to nothing the way she (laughs) says things or the faces that she makes are so much more interesting than the rest (laughs) of the people that you're on that she's on set with so even these conversations that she's having that are kind of you know like mundane or average she manages to put a bunch of life into and also this screenplay is very good like all of the weird like little asides that all the characters have are just top-notch and I don't think they're improvised yeah and I mean this is like one of her most gift performances I think there's a scene where she's at a restaurant on this date she was really looking forward to and she's like very animated talking about the food and that's a gif and I always see the gif about her walking you know strutting down the hall in her um, uh-huh. Hester Prynne outfit and she has a lot of zingers towards Amanda Bynes like this is a moment in her life like this follows her this is this is a memorable time for us millennials even if you caught it late in life like Matt and you can tell that this is sort of like where the door opens for her mm-hmm. because she has a couple of random like 
or she has a like a smaller part in one of the movies in 2011 but then like going into the next couple of years is when her like big sort of like a money maker roles kind of start winding in she's in friends with benefits in 2011 have you seen yeah. that did you watch that no, i haven't seen that i one. didn't i didn't watch it because i mean she's basically this like bit role as one of mila kunis's friends and i just i you know self-care you know sometimes you have to make choices it's directed by the same person who did easy a though which yeah. again you know she likes yeah. she's a repeat customer with these people and i mean i remember when easy a came out and all the media that followed emma stone everyone was obsessed with her like it was like it was like when anne hathaway did princess diaries and everyone was just like who is this girl like what's she mm-hmm. gonna do next type thing and I mean, she was only 22 at the time, but then, yeah, the very next movie she's in after Friends with Benefits is Crazy Stupid Love, which is probably another major chapter in her filmography. Um, this is the ensemble comedy starring Steve Carell, Julianne Moore, Ryan Gosling, also features Marissa Tomei and Kevin Bacon. Um, it's the story of, of Cal Weaver, who is Steve Carell's character, who's sort of the sad suburban dad who finds out his wife has cheated on him. And so he leaves and is just kind of down on his luck. And through a series of events is sort of taken under the wing of this womanizer, Ryan Gosling, who teaches him the art of pickup. And then just like hijinks ensue and everything comes to this beautiful chaotic, chaotic, like explosive finale that you really don't see coming. And I really loved this movie. This is one I saw that come out like, this is when I saw when it came out and I've revisited it since then. There's a lot of weird choices in this movie, but Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling nearly steal the show from Steve Carell, which is pretty hard to do. And I think was an unintentional uh, surprise. And they went on to sort of star in a few other movies because everyone was just obsessed with their chemistry. This is all very interesting to me. I (laughs) did not see Crazy Stupid Love when it came out. Again, like this is when I was in college. So I didn't, I I feel like this is like a gap in my year. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Anyway, so I just watched it for the first time like last week. And I went into it expecting it to be very good. And I had just watched Easy A maybe like the night before. So I was like hyped on getting into these movies that were Emma Stone that I hadn't seen. And not only did I feel like what did this age the worst of all of the movies that I watched with her in it. But I also found that she is doing like the least and is the least interesting in this movie. I just did not get the excitement of this at all. There's one, the whole plot, there's a whole plot line with like Steve Carell's son and the babysitter. (laughs) So he's in love with the babysitter and the babysitter's in love with Steve Carell. That's like very cringy watching now. All of the stuff. Cringy watching then too. I mean, I don't think. I mean, meant to be great. yeah but i think it's like a i mean yes i'm sure it was cringy then but it's like even more so now all of the stuff with ryan gosling like teaching steve carell like all of that is really cringy now and sure you can say that he's that ryan gosling's character like grows in the film yeah, but i don't know i just like does. found it <laughs> i just found it like not that fun to watch and i didn't think it was that funny and emma stone's section of the movie is like off on its own little planet for most of the time and only like comes in towards the end. And I did not find her that. It's the surprise. Yes, but yeah, I've seen Valentine's Day. I know how these (laughs) things work, you know, where it's like all these different storylines and then, oh, wait, you're the barber that he was talking about or whatever. Um, But 
Yeah, this movie just did nothing for me. I was oh, like, man. no, thank you. you I never Ryan need to Gosling. see this again. I mean, I just think I found him just like cringy. Though. Also, I don't like Ryan Gosling. I don't. I don't, I, yeah, I find him vibes. smarmy in like all so movies. I don't bonkers. particularly like him. Like what? I can't believe I mean, that. He's in La La Land. He's in this. Like, what are his other? What are his big movies that he's been in? I don't know, but I mean, <laughs> I've never gotten smarmy vibes from him, and I. Oh my I, gosh, he's I've so never smarmy. Douchebag vibes from him either. Even in this, uh, he's insanely likable, even though he's playing no, the worst human. No, order. yes, no, Shelby. He's that's just because so he's charming. naked in a couple scenes, and you're no. into it. <laughs> First of all, he's never naked. I think, oh yeah, he is. Uh, you're right. Yes, he is. He's in the <laughs> with Steve Carell. Um, no, I honestly, I think Steve Carell and Ryan Gosling have great chemistry in this movie, too. And they're very funny to watch together. I think there's some biases going on here. No, I mean, yes, I think some people thought this movie was kind of like what's happening. And it didn't like do hugely well. I mean, but it still did for a comedy. So it's hard to measure that sort of success. But aside, like if I could cut out the babysitter storyline, I would love this. Like this would be just one of my favorite films. Like I just think it's so, it's so fun. And like, yeah, Ryan Gosling's a dick, but then they both learn. They both grow. And then Marissa Tomei's moment. Like, I don't know. I just love how all these little things like play together and it's just a very entertaining film to me. Aside from Aloha, I think this is the worst movie with her that I've seen. <laughs> I'm looking down this list and I think that, that yeah, crazy. I like uh, maybe Battle of the Sexes is okay. also a sort of a Matt, uh, but Matt, um Matt. No, you're going to tell me that her next movie is one of your favorite, aren't you? You're uh, you're the help <laughs> stand, aren't you? You um, are a big believer so... in the help, aren't you? <laughs> I did read the book and and did really like the book and then I also saw the movie oh, and no. I did sort of really like the movie. I understand that looking back that it's problematic in some ways, but honestly, for whatever you have to say about the help, um Emma Stone is like the least interesting thing that's going on here. I mean, Viola the book yeah, is written in three parts where it's I mean, it's, uh, is she the, I mean, okay, so I, it's tough for me but... to, to separate the book from the movie. Right. And the way the book works is like there's three main characters. There's the character Viola Davis plays, the character Octavia Spencer plays, and then the character that um, Emma Stone plays. And in the book, it's like all, it's like alternating chapters between the three of them. So it's sort of like all three of them are the main character. Um, and then in the movie the other two like steal the show from her at every turn she's the oh, least interesting part by far i mean even oh um, yeah alice and uh, janney uh bryce dallas howard yes. um jessica chastain jessica this was her chastain, like big come out yes. moment she did a much better job than emma stone i thought it was crazy that emma stone got any attention for this movie because i think it's honestly one of her weakest performances like i i mean i don't think she got that much attention for it. she got no awards nominations for oh, this movie yeah. despite the fact that it was nominated left you know all over the place for everybody else involved yeah this is probably the the role that she played like the most like the most serious role she's ever done well i guess i didn't watch gangster squad so i don't know how straight she played uh, that uh. but i mean this is one where she's like she has an accent her hair is curly like it she's made some choices and i i think it's yeah like content aside which i i didn't read the book 
I didn't see this until a few years after it came out. And I was just sort of like, not feeling it. It's very white savory. And obviously, since then, Viola Davis has come out and been like, yeah, I did not like that movie at all. So in my opinion, The Help is canceled. It's over. It's finished. (laughs) Don't need to ever watch it again. But yeah, it's sort of a weird chapter in Emma Stone's rise to fame because this is like, I mean, this is her golden age. It was... It was the book. Like, it was on the New York Times bestseller list for, like, a year or something. I mean, like, an insane amount of time. So you can see how after she comes out of Easy A, she's looking for big-name things. She gets the help, which is, like, the big movie adaptation. And then she also gets Amazing Spider-Man, which is, like, you know especially with how well the first trilogy of Spider-Man movies Mm -hmm. did. They're doing a reboot. She's playing the female lead, the like Kirsten Dunst roles. I mean, it's not the same character, but like, (laughs) yeah, but like that, you can see how like that is the level of fame that she's at at this point. So you can see why that she would take the help and why she'd take amazing Spider-Man. Yeah. I, I like, I saw both the amazing Spider-Man and the amazing Spider-Man too, but it's Mm -hmm. hard for like, I only saw each of them once and it's hard for me to differentiate them. And the (laughs) second one I hated so much. It's the weird, like electric Jamie Foxx one. (laughs) And so, but it's hard for me to really separate um, Emma Stone's, performances yeah. in the two of them because I can't remember like what she's doing right. in either of them. She dies in the second one, yes? Well, spoiler She dies yes. in one of them. Must yeah. be the second one. <laughs> yeah, makes sense. Um, yeah, no, The Amazing Spider-Man. I mean, this one came out and people mostly liked it. Like, I mean, it has like 73% on Rotten Tomatoes. I enjoyed it. I mean, it definitely is different than the Tobey Maguire one. It's more focused on his high school years. But I think in looking at the film itself, like, this movie actually like cared a lot about I mean, the effects were cool. Like they tried to make it realistic. So it wasn't like, I don't even remember the villain in the first one. It's like that lizard guy. I had to look oh, it up and it's not yeah, played by yeah, a yeah. famous person either. Yeah. So it's kind of a weird. Yeah. Move. So it is kind of, it's kind of a weird franchise. And it, unfortunately the second one just was horrible. But I think this movie itself is one that people, especially in like, I mean, I've, unfortunately had to mute a lot of like star wars and spider-man on my twitter because people just won't shut up about them but people are still talking about this movie on twitter fans of like spider-man mention a lot of like toby Maguire, and then this in comparison to um the marvel spider-man and how the marvel spider-man is like we don't have to get into it but they just think this performance by andrew garfield is more true to like the you know boy of queens like you know down on his leg he's just he's just dealing with what he's got and like sewing his own costume type blah 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 so i think people still like this but it's definitely he's not the favorite spider-man and i think gwen stacy was an interesting choice because no one outside of comic fans really knew yeah i'd never heard of her knew who she was and everyone was just like this isn't his true love but emma stone in a this is like her biggest movie she's ever done she's never gone back to that franchise level again she mentioned in interviews like not really understanding like she seems to have vibes where she didn't really love the experience because it was just so different than like smaller films where you're all just on a set together and and you do what it turns out to be instead of all these effects and like big you know stage productions and whatever but I mean this was her return to blonde so it was a big moment for her and this is remains like her highest grossing film she's ever done 
Well, and it's where she met Andrew Garfield, and where she, with who she would date for a while. So cool. Um, yeah, it's the Amazing Spider-Man. I am also such a big fan of the original Spider-Man <laughs> with Tobey Maguire. Like, I mean, the third movie's terrible, but the first two movies I feel like are very good. Um, yeah. And sort of like genre defining in that oh, wow. they're you the sound like birth of like um, I know this. the I'm birth of like Spider-Man. This. <laughs> but as far as Andrew Garfield versus Tom Holland, I really don't care. They're both <laughs> like, eh, whatever. Fine for me. Yeah, this movie exists. And then she returns to her Ryan Gosling chemistry moment with Gangster Squad in 2013, which was not a well-received film. I thought the trailer looked awful, so I never watched it. And you said you had seen uh. it, so I felt no responsibility. Yes. This is also directed <laughs> by the same guy who did the Zombieland movies, um, oh, okay. Ruben Fleischer. So it's like a multiple, it's like a blending of the worlds or whatever. I saw this movie on cable, you know, I don't know, maybe like four years ago. So I don't remember it that well, but I remember really liking it. And I was looking up okay. the plot sort of again. And like Emma Stone is... It's kind of like a undercover heisty movie. So I feel like mm-hmm. you could be into it. I don't know. No. Sean Penn is like a evil gangster. She is his like secretary girlfriend something <laughs> like they're uh, interchangeable. The so, gangsters. Yeah, some kind some kind of role that um for him. So she's like <laughs> on the bad guy's side, but then Ryan Gosling is obviously trying to take down the bad guy and somehow or another connects with Emma Stone and they sort of fall in love. It's very noir either. It's in Los Angeles. There's lots of cool like nightclub scenes and like, oh, we're by a pool and it's night and there's a dead body in it. And you know, that kind of vibe. It's, I, I, Maybe I you saw it. It the director's cut and that's why you liked it so much. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you didn't even see it. So how do you know? Yeah, I mean, it has 32% on Rotten Tomatoes, but it was still enough that people were trying desperately to make the Ryan Gosling, Emma Stone, sort of the Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan of our generation. I mean, they actually, interestingly enough, speaking of another movie no one liked, but you did, um, Margot Robbie and Will Smith were in focus in 2015, but originally it was supposed to be Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone. Did you not like focus? No. <laughs> I thought that was so fun. Granted, yeah, I watched it after uh, our episode on yeah, Will Smith, so I, I couldn't really I talk know. about it then. <laughs> but, um, oh, wow, I loved that movie. But would you have loved it more with Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone? No. You know I what? Think so. I don't think so. Because yeah. I like Will Smith, I think, more than I like Ryan Gosling. <laughs> and... Do and you think I, you're and just Emma, Marco Robbie's good in that of Ryan Gosling and you feel like, you know, he's closer to what you could be, except you never got the opportunity. And so that's why you resent his success. In what way? <laughs> because I don't because in, where this in quarantine, for... we look very similar now. Oh, we have similar right. body yeah, types. So yeah, you're right. Crazy. I don't know why you hate him. That's a that's a upcoming birthday episode for sure um but emma stone this is where it's kind of weird to me because i'm sort of like she kind of lost her mojo here in the late 2000s well i mean mid 2000s well okay Um, because she has a oh okay do you yeah what i have a i have a theory theory? i have a theory going okay so i think a lot of this comes from the help i think Mm. she's in the help 
she it's sort of a dramatic role for her. She sees all of these. She's on this award circuit because she's going to all of these awards with other people who are uh, in that movie. Mm-hmm. And I think that she kind of looks around and realizes, hey, I'm a good actress. I could maybe also be uh, doing that. And mm-hmm. so she takes some sort of strange roles in the next couple of years. I mean, some of them are like she's in the Spider-Man 2, which whatever, she has to be contractually obligated. She gets a lot of money. She vo- she does a voice in The Crudes, which like, okay, voiceover work, that's like two days and she gets paid. <laughs> but, um, but I think that that... I feel like this is the transition point for her where Mm -hmm. she starts moving away from these like comedies and starts trying to head in the direction of drama. And I feel like it takes her a couple of years to figure out like where she's actually good in this space. Yeah. So she does the Croods in 2013. Um, The Amazing Spider-Man 2 comes out in 2014. And then uh, she does her first Woody Allen movie, Magic in the Moonlight, in 2014 as well. And this is the um, Colin Firth. And um, basically, it's set in the 1920s. And and she's sort of this, you know, it's a Woody Allen movie. So it's about an old man, Colin Firth, who, who becomes enamored or she becomes enamored with and she's like this spirit medium or something. And it's like all these Did British you watch people it? around no. her. And, um, no, I saw it a few years ago. I don't remember. Oh, <laughs> wow. But, um, she's just this weird character in it and it just makes no sense. And Woody Allen remains just a totally bonkers figure to me. I just, I'll never understand why his movies are, are, are thought of as, as good when he makes so many bad ones but no one really liked this one whatever in the same year 2014 she plays in Birdman or The Unexpected Virtue of Ignorance and this Mm -hmm. is a huge critical success it wins best picture Emma was nominated for best supporting actress as the she's like this recovering drug addicted daughter of Michael Keaton's character I actually really loved this movie I thought it was really interesting really fun really well done and i I think most people agree with me so yeah i also like birdman um i think you were looking for a fight but you will not get one um uh, do i think that it's better than boyhood Uh, i don't know but um i I think that she's very good in this i remember watching this movie in theaters and being like wow she is really doing a great job with these scenes she Mm -hmm. she has that especially that first scene in the movie where she's like in the basement and she's like screaming at her at a michael keaton's character Mm -hmm. and i just remember thinking like this is one of those oscar clip scenes like you i watched (laughs) it was like okay she's getting nominated this is so great i I don't know. I mean, it's hard to say like best performance because this is a supporting role and she's going to have bigger parts in other things coming up that I think are also really good. But I do feel like this is one of her best performances if it's not the best. No, I agree. I think um, this is her more memorable, especially in the drama category like this. She does a really good job here of also not seeming to like like Emma Stoney I don't know like I yeah I, <laughs> she's not trying to be funny yeah it's it's good stuff and um this is also when she surprised everyone by having a stint on Broadway in the revival of Cabaret so yes congrats to her she's a triple threat I guess but then it's immediately followed with Aloha a career low for her um 
It has a Rotten Tomato score of 20%, which is frankly too high. Um, Very generous, honestly. <laughs> yeah. But this is oft-mocked movie where Emma Stone plays a character named Allison Wynn, who is a quarter Hawaiian, quarter Chinese, and is meaningfully, like, not white in this movie. She's very in touch with the Hawaiian energy, the spirituality. She's talking a lot of, she's like a hula dancing expert. Like it's very clear. She's meant to represent the islands in this very white movie. And it's just this movie. I hadn't watched it until preparing for this episode. I hadn't like thought of watching it. I never wanted to, but I watched it and it was a surprise. (laughs) It's a movie that, yeah, I didn't see it when it came out. And everything that you hear about it now is Emma Stone plays a Hawaiian person. Like, that's the only thing that I knew about this movie beforehand. I couldn't have told you who else was in it. I didn't know the plot of it other than maybe it has something to do with Hawaii. Like, no idea. Um, I thought maybe it's like a rom-com, but it's really not. So I was, I was very confused watching it. And I think that... The, the plot makes no sense. Bradley Cooper is the main character. He goes to Hawaii. He's like used to be in the military, but now he's not. He works for like a private contractor. He's tasked with getting like the Hawaiians to give him some piece of land, which then they're going to use in some way to like launch a satellite into outer space. But the satellite has like weapons on it Mm. bill murray's company is launching the satellite (laughs) um emma stone is like a someone who's currently in the military who has to follow him around but we're not really sure why also um who's oh rachel mcadams is in this movie as someone who used to date bradley cooper and so you think for a while that oh maybe that this is like some kind of romance between the two of them but it never really happens and instead bradley cooper falls in love with emma stone who's like a lot younger than him (laughs) it's just like the whole plot doesn't make sense john krasinski is in it role yeah Yeah, yeah, he is Rachel McAdams' husband who doesn't talk but is a really good guy somehow and she chooses him in the end. The what I was thinking while I was watching this movie and this was honestly pre my realization about Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice was that was this movie cuz this movie is also like it's like two hours you know and i wondered was this script longer and then they cut it down because it just the plot makes no sense and i feel like there has to have been something else like i don't understand how he could have gotten all of these big a-list talents to be in a movie if the script that they were given was this script because it it literally does not make sense and emma stone is doing her best with it and i would say is probably the best part of the movie like the best <laughs> actor in the movie but yeah it's it's weird they cast her to be a hawaiian i think that they were like her she has big eyes so you know that are sort of like <laughs> an interesting shape so maybe like that'll pass as hawaiian but yeah just yeah. Terrible casting, terrible script. I have no no idea what's going on. Abysmal movie. The fact that it has 20% is like, honestly, who are they paying at Rotten Tomatoes? Yeah. Well, I mean, this is like a movie from Cameron Crowe who did like Jerry Maguire, Almost Famous, Elizabethtown. I mean, I think he loves that sort of manic pixie dream girl element of like this quirky young woman who helps a man realize like, 
what he's missing or what he needs or how much he matters or whatever. And so I'm sure this movie was exactly as it was intended to be. I just think it speaks more to these celebrities disconnect from reality. Like I think you would read something like this and think, wow, like how elevated, like I'm going to like, you know, like what an interesting, like it's, it's genre bending, you know, it's comedy, but it's drama. It's saying something, but it's, you have to dig for it. You know, like, I just think I can see everyone involved thinking they were onto something. Uh... And then it turned out to be a steaming pile of garbage that where nothing worked. But I mean, I, I think it fits in Cameron Crowe's filmography pretty well. So it's like, if they knew him then they knew what they were getting into you know i don't know i mean i the whole the whole thing about like why he needs to be there and the (laughs) the satellite or like that just whole the whole premise is just confusing to me like his relationship with her you know the relationships or whatever are one thing and and i'm are fine but like the the setup of the like <laughs> satellite in Hawaii and these like no it just, one should it's own not... the sky, Matt. That's the right, but it's not. But like the setup is not clear. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. No, it's a hot mess. Like I, I was confused about tone. I was confused about plot, intention, uh, characters, choices, all of it. It was. It was very weird. Like Emma Stone is like talking to her mom loudly about this man. And then suddenly they're both like obsessed with each other. I just it was very, very all over the place. And it wasn't even like a good kind of bad where you just like sit and laugh like cats or something. This was just like so mesmerizingly dull. Even the jokes he made, it was just like, who thought this would be funny? Like there's this whole moment where John Krasinski and Bradley Cooper have this moment of like conversation, except John Krasinski doesn't talk because he's like a serious man who doesn't he oh, doesn't yeah. know how to communicate his feelings. And then suddenly there's like subtitles because Bradley Cooper can like read him or something. And it's like, what movie are we making here? Like no one had set this up as some sort of surrealist comedy. It was just the weirdest about change I've ever seen in a movie. Yeah, there was just too many things going on that just seemed out of left field. <laughs> like Bill Murray is there and like yeah. dancing with Emma Stone. <laughs> I th- yeah, it's weird. Okay, yeah, anyways, but on top of it, I mean, was yes, a, this is was a this low is for the, her. Yeah, this is the low. This joke has lasted forever. I mean, probably most recently in 2019 at the Golden Globes, Sandra Oh made a joke about Crazy Rich Asians being the first studio film with an Asian American lead since Aloha. And you hear Emma Stone from the audience scream, I'm sorry, because this has been a controversy that has followed her for the last five years. Because, like, yeah, their excuse is that it's based on a real person who didn't look Asian. And so, like, how could they cast an Asian who didn't look Asian? And it's like, well, just think about what you're doing. Just just stop and think about what you're doing. And Emma Stone, to her credit, has apologized. She's said that she's, you know listening to the conversation she's like she's like i've learned on a macro level about the insane history of whitewashing in hollywood it's like well maybe you should have been aware of this before but like okay you're learning you're growing congrats to you we'll see if she ever lives it down i do feel like though that i mean not to not to um you know stick up for her or anything but the like there was the 
for whatever reason in Hollywood, I feel like up until the last like two, three years, there was this this idea of like, oh, if you're playing someone from another culture, it's not like whitewashing. It's proving how good of an actor you are, actually. <laughs> like it's like almost an additional step. It's like playing someone with a stutter. You know what I mean? Like if you can if you can play it's if Ben Kingsley can play Gandhi, that's like, oh, a big <laughs> transformation for him. Um so I think not that that's necessarily what she was trying to do here, but I could see how like, I, I don't know. I feel like it was just looked at so differently by people, not correctly, but like weirdly. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, but that's Hollywood. On a, on a similar like weird level. So I'm watching this, the new Ryan Murphy show, Hollywood, which is <laughs> terrible, truly terrible and not even good. And I've only watched two episodes and I don't know if I'll go back and watch more. Probably not, but maybe. Um, <laughs> But there's a whole plot line in that of how Darren Chris is actually, I think, like a quarter Filipino in real life. Mm-hmm. And so even though he does not look Filipino at all. Mm-hmm. And so Weird. this whole plot line of the show is that he is like an uh, an Asian um, like director who or who's trying to get like things made in old time Hollywood. Um, and he wants to be, you know, like the first Asian and but but everyone is like but like literally every scene is him being like i want to be the first asian and the people be like you're asian he's like my mom is a quarter filipino yeah and it's like this is a (laughs) weird plot line for a show that's like uh, why is this like if you wanted to do uh, an asian plot line like like just hire someone who looks Asian and then you don't have to write this into the script every time that like yes this person is actually able to play this role you know what I mean it just feels so strange and so that I was thinking about that while I was watching a little yeah. hot too yeah I mean I can't speak to that I've avoided that successfully so um if anyone has any thoughts you know where to find Matt um but <laughs> another choice of Emma Stone is the same year uh 2015 she's in another Woody Allen movie I don't know why these aren't good movies she's in Irrational Man which is a Joaquin Phoenix vehicle and he plays this sort of impotent philosophy professor who her his student Emma Stone becomes obsessed with and like and romantically interested in but he's like oh I don't know and then it turns into this weird like dark comedy where he you know murders someone and finds a new (laughs) lease on life i don't know it's super boring no one liked it it was another like bland chapter in woody allen's dumb (laughs) filmography but it started a lot of questions about like oh are you his new muse are you like do you like woody allen like sort of things and she was pretty defensive of him she's sort of was like you know, I've loved some of his other stuff that he's done, like recent stuff even. And so I don't think you should like write him off, but I'm not like amused. You wouldn't say that of these men who have been in multiple movies, blah, blah, blah. But she has not notably spoken about him since this movie. So she hasn't come out in defense of or against Woody Allen since this more recent um, wave. Well, of this was pre me too. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So she has so addressed it since so she's smartly backed up on that front (laughs) she's no scar joe yes the following year 2016 is her next big breakout Mm -hmm. i feel like if you're if you're looking at movies that are like uh the emma stone movie looking back Mm -hmm. it probably will be la la land that's (laughs) what she she is again paired with um ryan gosling yes (laughs) 
she's uh she's breaking out her musical chops again which she sort of like hinted at in various ways and she was just in broadway but now she's bringing it out it's a damien chazelle movie she wins the oscar for best actress she wins a golden globe she wins the bafta she basically wins everything this movie i feel like is a classic example of early in the fall everyone loves it everyone thinks it's the greatest thing it comes (laughs) out it gets good reviews and then by the time oscar comes around people have like sort of have their knives out for it where it's no longer like cool to like la la land it's actually like you're a bad person if you like la la land (laughs) Um, and this is obviously the La La Land versus Moonlight year where yeah. it wins Best Picture. And then it turns out it doesn't win Best Picture because they got the Emma Stone envelope <gasps> mixed up. It's basically her fault. I mean, truly. <laughs> uh, so wh- what was what is what are your feelings on La La Land? I did are not you like Stan? La La Land. No, I didn't like it in first watch. Rob really loved. I mean, he likes La La Land. He um, he's still a fan. I think a lot of people are fans of La La Land. I. I am a big musical fan, so I understood what he was trying to do, but I just didn't think he, I don't know, I didn't like it. I thought Ryan Gosling was sort of boring. It was weird that he was like telling the black man how jazz works, and it was just like, and then she was kind of this like, I I don't know, I didn't feel anything, and I understand that I might have missed something, and like, I'm happy for everyone who loves it, like congrats to you. The music wasn't that great for me. I just, nothing of it really, like, wowed me. I don't know. So, sorry. I just didn't like it. I thought that Emma Stone did a really good job in it. And I didn't hate it, but I didn't fall in love with it. And I also think that because it was, because she was up against Natalie Portman and Jackie this year, like, those were the two frontrunners, and I really Mm -hmm. liked Jackie, and I like Natalie Portman more than I like Emma Stone, that I was sort of, like, had my bitterness out for that um but looking back on it i think um i think la la land is a good movie i think emma stone gives a good performance in it was it the best picture of the year no but i don't think it's bad by any means so do you think she deserved an oscar for this i mean the thing is i was looking at this lineup yeah it's pretty weak and yeah it's like meryl streep for florence foster (laughs) jenkins she just won for um the iron lady a couple years before so she definitely wasn't going to win it again Ruth Nega for Loving, which is a good movie, but she's like a nobody. And this is, was her first <laughs> nomination. So I just I just didn't like she isn't going to win. I don't mm-hmm. think for that movie. That was the movie's only nomination I want to think to. And then Isabelle Hubert for Elle, which is also good, but is a French movie. Mm-hmm. So I feel like those three are just automatically like not going to win. So then it comes down to Emma Stone for La La Land and Natalie Portman for Jackie. But again, Natalie Portman had just won a couple of years earlier for Black Swan. So like, do I think that Emma Stone necessarily deserved this Oscar? No, but I also think that Emma Stone is a good actress and mm-hmm. for her, for all of the work that she's done, I'm, I'm fine with her having an, an Oscar. And I also think that she does do a good job in this performance. So I don't hate the fact that she has it for this, but you know, I think she's done better work elsewhere. Yeah. Um, the next movie she was in is the 2017 biopic Battle of the Sexes, which is about um, the basically the tennis match between Billie Jean King and Bobby Riggs. And so this stars Emma Stone and Steve Carell. I actually really liked this movie. I know from the beginning of this episode that you did not. So let's just hear it. <laughs> I was, I mean, I'm a big tennis fan. I love watching tennis. 
I remember going to the U.S. Open this year, and they had this huge billboard that was right by the. It was for like Battle mm-hmm. of the Sexes, and I and I n- knew this story um, from before that, and I was excited to see it. And you know, it's Emma Stone just off of her best actress win. She's playing Billie Jean King, who doesn't really look like Emma Stone, doesn't really have an Emma Stone vibe. So you're like, she's going to be doing a lot with this role. I'm really excited, and I also like Steve Carell. Um, And I just felt like, one, that Steve Carell sort of, like, steals this movie away from anybody else who's in it. So I thought that Emma Stone, while she's good, like, her performance didn't really, like, go anywhere for me. Mm -hmm. And I ultimately found it kind of boring. (laughs) And I felt like it was just sort of weird tonally in that... Steve Carell's character you would typically think would be the bad guy in the situation but I never I mean and so maybe it's a good thing that the movie that like you really sort of feel sympathetic for him but Mm -hmm. I felt sympathetic for him and then she's like cheating on her husband Mm -hmm. so I I don't know there was just like I never really felt like I could really root for either of them and I didn't think that the storyline was like that interesting i thought it was kind of slow at parts so i don't know i i didn't get behind this movie like i wanted to i yeah. guess yeah i mean i remember there are some weird character choices in there but i really i mean of course i valued like there were a lot of interesting uh uh, commentary on the sexism and double standards and uh, oh yeah of pay course. and all this stuff and i thought it was really presented in a way that was that showed how timely it still was but still honored like you know what she accomplished and whatnot and I just thought it was fun and Steve Carell is a very funny character in this and it was I don't remember a lot of details as you're talking about it but I remember enjoying the movie but yeah not a lot of people saw this I mean it was well received critically but it wasn't like a huge success in the box office um and so it wasn't like a a big like moment in her career. I think people were kind of like you a little bit disappointed. Like the air was let out of their tires a little bit after La La Land. And then you get this. Um, And so then it's a whole other year and she's in the favorite, which um, gives her her third Oscar nom. But before the favorite, she's actually in maniac, the TV show, which we reviewed (laughs) on, on our show. So, I mean, I don't know if we need to talk more about that, (laughs) but interesting that, that, Interesting. I mean, yes. Interesting <laughs> that she makes that sort of like leap to TV. And I think with both Battle of the Sexes and Maniac, there are things that on paper look like they would be shoe-ins for her of like, yeah. oh, she's definitely going to get another Oscar nomination for Battle of the Sexes, which ended up they they got no Oscar nominations. Mm-hmm. Um, Maniac, you think, oh, like it's a limited series. She's going to be up for that Emmy. But I think that <laughs> the fact that it came out in the fall made it like I, I, I don't think it got nominated for any Emmys yeah. or not any big ones, at least because by the time that it rolled around the Emmys next summer, it was just so long <laughs> in the rearview mirror that nobody was really talking about it. Um, but yeah, then also in 2018 is the favorite, which I feel like is really like for anybody who was doubting whether or not she should have won the. Uh, Oscar for La La Land. It's like she's so good in The Favorite. Yes. The Favorite is such a great movie. I, you, how can you it's dislike delightful. it? How can you say that yeah. she's not great? It's so funny. She's getting to do comedy and drama. It's like a period piece. It's just it's fantastic. Yeah. She's playing against Olivia Coleman and Rachel Weitz, and she's really holding her own. 
and of course Joe Alwyn, so <laughs> puts him oh, in yes. his place. Um, and this mm-hmm. is her highest her highest rated movie she's ever done. It has ninety eight percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, I think it's um, <laughs> I guess you'd say a favorite. <laughs> oh. oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Truly, though, she hasn't been doing as much. I mean, it's yeah. like sort of now she's on a one movie a year track. And then this past year in 2019, <laughs> she had the new Zombieland movie, That's Zombieland choice, Double yeah. Tap, um, <laughs> yeah. which I'm kind of like, what is she doing with her time? She's getting married, I guess. But I mean, like that movie is short. Yeah. She is not the lead, really. She's not even in, you know, whole sections of it. Yeah. So, I I mean, I really liked Zombieland Double Tap. I thought it was a fun, you know, sequel. Is it doing anything? It's basically <laughs> Zombieland sort of just, like, rehashed. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's as good, but I think it was fine. But she's not really doing that much in it. I know. It's sort of, it's sort of weird. Like, I feel like a lot, like, not to keep bringing her up, but Jennifer Lawrence has done something similar where she sort of, like, disappeared. But with her, it was almost like she kept hitting these duds. So, you kind of understood maybe why she was... And she was getting a lot of hate, so she kind of took a step back. But Emma Stone, it's like she had the favorite. She had La La Land fairly recently. So, like, why isn't she more active now? The only movie she has in development so far is Cruella, the Disney, like, prequel, villain prequel um, that's due out in 2021. So it's just, like... I don't know. Maybe you know she's that's going to be a big cash grab. Yeah, she's just taking her time. I don't know. I it is just sort of weird looking at her filmography and like I don't know. It, it's just like is this is she where is she going to go next? Like what does she want to do more high art sort of favorite things or is she going down this like franchisey Cruella Disney uh, money maker thing? I just I can't get a read on her. Well, I mean, she hasn't been in a big, like, money-making movie probably since, like, Spider-Man, Spider-Man or maybe, like, Aloha. I don't know how much money that movie, no. like, <laughs> that well, how much money she was paid for it. Oh, you know what right. I mean? Like, it yeah. didn't make money. But, um, yeah. so so I'm sure that she needs the money from Quella, but it is, like, <laughs> she didn't have a baby. I mean, I haven't heard of her, like, taking up directing or, you yeah. know, some other kind of cause that she's been spending a lot of time doing so i don't really know what she's been up to yeah. um she's also supposedly in the works for damien chazelle's next movie mm. um babylon but i don't think that's even been filmed that's or anything so yeah yeah. Huh. yeah i don't know i mean given all this like what are your top emma stone performances would you say uh, i mean performances i honestly think that birdman is probably my favorite one of her performances she's also i mean she's also really good in the favorite i really liked her in easy a i think that she's honestly really funny in um the house bunny (laughs) uh as far as like favorite movie that she's been in though um i think like the favorite and Zombieland are probably my favorite although i honestly really do like super bad i mean i know you didn't really (laughs) like it but I like it. Congrats. Well, and drive. I and drive. drive is the obvious oh, one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, of course. Goes without saying. Um, but you introduced me to this game. What do you think Emma Stone's known for on IMDb are? So what four movies do you oh, think? Oh, that is a good question. I mean, this should be easy because I have a whole list of her movies in front of me. <laughs> um, okay. Well, La La Land, I feel like for sure has to be in there. Okay. Yes. Um. I would say that The Amazing Spider-Man. 
Is no, that one of them? It's not. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, um, uh, so La La Land, the favorite? Yes. An easy A. Easy A has to be one. Yes. And then there's a fourth. And then there's a fourth. Is it the help? <laughs> yes. How weird is that? So disappointing. But, I mean, it should be La La Land, <laughs> Irrational Man, yeah. Paper Man, and Magic in the Moonlight. Clearly. Yeah, people need to be looking up better movies, I Maybe guess. Marmaduke <laughs> for her voice talent as a golden yeah. retriever or whatever she was. Australian Shepherd. So, mm. yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just uh, it's just shows this like weird hodgepodge of choices. It's like you have the comedy with Easy A, you have this surprise about face with the help and then you have her hitting her stride with i guess la la land and definitely the favorite if you're her agent and you're like okay what is the next movie for emma stone like what types of things are you trying to get her to do like what do you feel like is her best move you know i was thinking about this honestly because i think where she messes up is going too serious and I don't mean that as a dig against her as an actress, because honestly, I think being a comedian is very hard and it's harder for drama people to switch to comedy than it is for comedy to do drama. But I would tell her to do more like, I mean, something in the middle, I guess, like, like the favorite should be as dramatic as she gets. Like, I think she should always be a little funny. And that's why I'm sort of excited to see where they take this Cruella movie, because the movies, so the photos so far just seem kind of like like I don't know it could go either way but it's like (laughs) I think it'll be a little bit fun and I'm excited to see her get to flex sort of that crazy side again that she does in the favorite where she's sort of a villainous character but she's still having fun doing it so honestly that'd be my take because I think she's trying to do more like Saoirse Ronan type things and I just don't think I don't think that's her strength right now. Maybe she'll get there. But I think she's more Diane Keaton than like anyone else. And I think Diane Keaton always knew what she was good at. And she found a way to be very successful at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that Emma Stone is just so likable. And so she has like a a brightness to her that when she tries to dull that down, it doesn't work as well. Whereas like Anne Hathaway, I think is also really funny, but what she can do something like Les Mis. And I feel like it works well where sometimes her comedies don't quite land as well because she's just, I think like a little too classy. Mm. I think that, yeah, sticking with like some weirder stuff, I think would work for Emma Stone, like the favorite where it's like comedy, but kind of like a little bit, (laughs) I don't know, like zanier. I could see her playing even crazier people than she has, you know? Yeah. Like I could see her doing something where she's a little unhinged, maybe. (laughs) The gorilla. She freaking loves skinning dogs. So (laughs) we get to see it happen, I guess. I don't know. I mean, it is sort of like she's, you know, she's getting older. She's like, I think, 32 this year. So maybe she's just taking time to like regroup. I don't know. But um and she's married now, I guess. So maybe that's like, like <laughs> you know like, what I, I think. An artist. I think that she would be really good in like an I Tanya type role. Yeah. I think that's what I could see her in. Well, she did do the Billie Jean King, so right. But that, but she was just one hundred percent not funny in Battle <laughs> of the Sexes. Whatever you want to say about that movie, she was not funny yeah. in it. 
I mean, she was like very dour. Of Margot Robbie, do you think Emma Stone will do like a superhero movie again, where she's more of a superhero esque action figure? You know, I I mean, I could see her doing like an action movie. I honestly think that she would be really funny in like a Jamie Lee Curtis in True Lies kind of role. Um, <laughs> like I think that she could really nail that well, or even. Or even like, I mean, Jamie, I feel like her and Jamie Lee Curtis have like similar vibes, sort of. Like, don't, I could see her in maybe like Halloween, like a, like a a horror franchise. I think she'd be, yeah, well, also Freaky Friday. Um, But I don't know contractually, like since she's already in the Marvel universe, I don't know if they would pull her for another like Marvel role. And I don't know if she'd be allowed to do like a DC. Th- so I don't know if I could I see her in a superhero thing. non-competes like based years and years after. I mean, you don't think that Disney and Marvel have some kind of non I don't know. And she I think was Sony. Do. So it's like hard to, it's like a weird line anyway. So like I could see her, I could have seen her having fun in something like Birds of Prey. Like I think she could have fit yes. into that mix a little bit. But I don't think that she's going to do, like, uh, Captain Marvel. Uh, that, yeah. for me, doesn't isn't her speed. So I yeah. don't know. I think that she w- I don't think that she would do... A, I can't see her really in a superhero movie, but I could see her in some kind of franchise thing that's more of an action series. What about the Knives Out spin, like, pre Yes. Do you yes. Think she could do an I could see her in that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, I think okay, she'd be perfect. great in that. Yeah. That seems right up her alley. Okay. I mean, I think she'd even be good in something like a, like a Fast and the Furious-y kind of thing. (laughs) I could see her in that, maybe, before I could see her in, in, um, like, I could see her doing stunts and stuff. I don't think she'd do well in Star Wars. I can't really see her in Star Wars. Well, to be fair, she said she hates doing stunts because she has a phobia of, um, falling of heights and stuff so well she doesn't really have to do the stunts you know what i mean like (laughs) but i could see her in something like that yeah what about uh uh horror like you think do you think she could pull off a florence Pugh? oh midsummer or or hereditary uh, florence (laughs) Pugh and midsummer might not work very well for her but i could definitely see her in like uh in like a slashery kind of thing i think like something maybe that's like a little bit lighter, not like dark, dark indie horror, <laughs> like but like Christmas maybe like a fantasy island. Is Black that what Christmas, <laughs> dear Lord, fantasy island. No, um, but I could see her in like um a uh like a Ready or Not. I think she'd be good in that kind of thing. Right, but what was the movie that I was actually talking, you were talking about, about Ready on or that not. episode? Yeah, but yeah, I mean, she's been quiet. I think it's a weird time with the coronavirus. So a lot of things aren't like being announced or obviously aren't yes. filming. So like maybe she had more things planned that just haven't picked up. Um, maybe she wants to do TV again after <laughs> Maniac. Um, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see her career. Do I think she's the icon that time most influential promise she would be? I, I'm still unconvinced. I think she's very talented and very fun to watch. I'm curious to know if she'll ever be on like the same level as some of these other emerging icons that I think are maybe a little bit. I think I feel like the key to being like iconic like that is really you need like three or four movies that are like classic, classic movies that you are in. You know what I mean? Like if you think about Brad Pitt or like George Clooney or whatever, it's like, what's the difference between 
them and some like Emma Stone. It's really just that they have, you know, like those three or four movies that are like, this right. is it. And I feel like she had like La La Land, I think is that movie. Um, I think the favorite could be that movie. Mm, um, I think it's a little too. I feel like uh, Easy A is. Yeah, maybe. Well, I think the favorite is the type of movie, though, that will age well. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, but I think it'll also always be sort of that more elitist, like film snob. I guess that's level. true. Yeah, but really I think like that oceans. you need that. Yeah. Too. Well, yes. But I but like I think you need sort of like those multiple levels. Yeah, but yeah. I don't know that she has had like she has Easy A, which is sort of like a good introduction. She has um La La Land, which I think is like the big thing. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if she's had like a a big enough hit outside of those, like a money making hit oh, that's yeah, not no. Spider Man. Yeah. I think Spider Man and um yeah, I was looking at it. Most of her, she's not a highest grossing, like she's not at all yeah. a box office like queen. Not that that means she's not talented. I just mean like J-Law makes way more money than her because she's in these huge franchises. And these right. Movies well, I think Jennifer Lope or I think Jennifer Lawrence is like a step is like a, a level above because she has the Hunger Games. Yeah. And then she also has, you know, her mother. <laughs> yeah mother but she you know (laughs) what what she also has like silver linings playbook and um uh what's the uh the american hustle you know it's like (laughs) yes oh passengers truly when you said you watched that movie i was shocked like there's not a movie that i could think that was that would be less of a shelby movie than passengers i was like she doesn't even like chris pratt chris (laughs) pratt's a man who basically like ruins a woman's life solely because he's bored and you know has nothing to do the passengers it's just (laughs) that's all i want to talk about i really want to break it down scene by scene but um with Emma Stone, I think, yeah, we're still waiting on, like, those big, like, book. Cruella de Vil could be that, though. It could. You know? It could, you know? The villain origin stories haven't done supremely well, but Maleficent had its run, so. I think this will be better than that, though. Yeah, fingers Maleficent's crossed. not fun. Cruella yeah. will be fun, I think. <laughs> yeah. Um, hopefully. Okay, well, this episode is going along. <laughs> Happy birthday, Shelby. Do you have anything else to say about Emma Stone? No, um, but you can always tell us what you think by emailing us at psyourwrong at gmail.com or finding us on social media. We're at psyourwrong on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. So feel free to tell us um, we're right or we're wrong. We'll uh, take it either way. Yeah, send a happy birthday to Shelby. Um, You know, you can DM her for her address, see if you can send her birthday (laughs) gifts. I'm sure she'd love that. (laughs) We'll see. But yeah, thank you for listening. Leave us a review on Apple Podcast. We'll be back next week um, with our regular scheduled, you know, pop culture roundup and episode. I can't remember what we're talking about, but I'm sure it will be something underwhelming because it's coronavirus. <laughs> um, see you guys next week. Bye.